When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill for Comic Book Yeti sitting down today with comics creator Eric Gapster to talk about his new Middle Ages graphic novel, Sort of Super, from Simon & Schuster. Thanks for joining me today, Eric. Thanks for having me. Well, tell me a little bit about Sort of Super. What's it about? Um, So uh, what... What's it about? Um, yeah, so it's uh, basically what would happen if a little kid, um, you know, 11-year-old would uh, get superpowers and not be very good at using them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a little bit more than that, but that was kind of the uh, early thrust of the story. Um, and so it kind of takes, um, you know, how he, Wyatt Flynn is the main character's name and how he deals with uh, the onset of a lot of superpowers and kind of dealing with, uh, you know, playing with uh, more of a whimsical take on, um, you know, the traditional superhero stories and uh, trying to, um, you know, kind of combine my love of uh, comic strips and comic books uh, and sort of, you know, play with, uh, play with those um, two, mediums and um you know i don't know how much i'm supposed to <laughs> no no it's all good we, we can we can go and delve in here in a minute so yeah what inspired you to want to write a middle grade book to begin with yeah so i already touched on um you know my love for comic strips and uh, comic books um i'd kind of tried to pitch this as a comic strip for many years um and uh, writing comic strips was really hard for me. Um, so um, I, I had found a little bit of success and kind of getting some notice. Um, and, but eventually it just, um, you know, I kind of made the determination that um, it would take too long to be um, profitable. And so I kind of set it aside and uh, um, I kind of had a dual career. I, you know, while I was pitching comic strips, I was, um, I work for DC Comics um, as an anchor and a penciler and a lot of other different companies as well. Um, so I had kind of turned my focus to that for a while. But while doing that, a buddy of mine, uh, Jason Platt, had sold his, uh, he had sold an idea. He was kind of pitching as a comic strip for a while as a middle grade graphic novel. So I called him up and picked his brain and, um, you know, kind of did a lot more homework um and and it was a really great creative decision because um you know i mentioned comic strips uh, writing comic strips always kind of felt like uh, hitting my head against a wall but once i um you know started thinking it in terms of a graphic novel um it was just it was like melting butter it was uh it was <laughs> i was free it was just it came so much easier um than uh what I had tried to do before. So um, there's a big market for it. Um, there's a big appetite for graphic novels for young readers and reluctant readers. So um, I think a lot of things I was already kind of doing, um, you know, was always really conducive to the middle grade market. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, kind of a stars aligning for me. And um, I think it worked out. So you have two kids, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Yep, uh, four and seven. Okay, yeah, yours are a little younger than mine. I remember those years vividly. And this book really encapsulates that 11-year-old boy mindset and experience. You know, Wyatt is fearless, slightly reckless, a little short on common sense. You know, is this modeled after any of your kids or perhaps that was modeled after you at that age? I know my parents get a good laugh when I say something like, you know, can you believe what this kid just did? Yeah, so um, it's, it's a little more modeled on um, my own experiences. Um, the characters were created uh, before my kids were born. Actually, I've been uh, working on this the idea of this, um, I think, started around 2003. So they were pretty well fleshed out before my kids were born, but certainly some overlap. Um, but yeah, it, it had a little bit more um, of a genesis in my own experience. Okay. Well, 2003, that's, that's quite a long time. That was one of my other yeah. questions is like, I didn't know if this was a COVID project as so many people have, have done or. No, I, um, so I didn't grow up wanting to draw um, for anyone, but um, sorry, rather, I grew up not really wanting to draw anything but my own things. Uh, my heroes were. Uh, Bill Watterson and, um, you know, I had a lot of respect later on uh, Richard Thompson when he started uh, doing his strip cul-de-sac, like that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I never, like I love superhero comics, but, um, you know, I think when you're a kid, when you look at, uh, you know, Peanuts is deceptively simple, whereas you look at um, an illustration like a, like a Neil Adams drawing, is just a mystery. Um, so I, I, I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, a lack of confidence that uh, gravitated towards, you know, uh, the more cartoony aesthetic, uh, but that's just, that's what I always wanted to do. And I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, so I wanted to kind of bridge those two worlds, uh, superheroes and, uh, you know, uh, comic strips, uh, especially humor strips. And so, um, yeah, it, um, that I, I just, I didn't always have this as the strip I was pitching. I had another idea um, that was um, that I had kind of pursued for a long time. And, um, you know, comic strips were just, it, it was a tough road. Uh, the industry was shrinking um, and, you know, it, it, it's really hard to get noticed anyway. Sure. <laughs> um, so, but uh, I was, you know, pretty, uh, it was a pretty singular pursuit on my part. And um, I didn't start dabbling into working in comics um, until probably 2011, 2010, somewhere in there when I met uh, my frequent collaborator of mine, Phil Hester, who um, lives in Iowa as well. So, um, so I'd always, yeah, like I think I mentioned before, I'd always pitched comic strips um, while I was working on, uh, you know, I'd started getting work with Phil on inking. And um, so, yeah, these, this idea just kind of been boiling in the back of my head until I think uh, 2010, 2011 is when I really started putting it together um, as a strip. And um, yeah, it took it to, you know, as far as it went, which wasn't very far, but um, yeah, definitely right before the pandemic, actually, um, the year 2019, I think I decided to um, make it into um, not necessarily a graphic novel. I, I, I hadn't pared it down that far, um, but I, you know, definitely a comic book. And then the more I did my research and uh, that's kind of when it really formed into a middle grade graphic novel. And that uh, from the beginning of 2019 is when I put my pitch together and refined it over the course of a year and um, had sold it in October, I believe of that year. So, um, you know, there was a, uh, 
so right before the pandemic actually, but it was my pandemic project because that was my my main uh, my main work during uh, those years. But one of my favorite elements in the story is the kid's grandma. Uh, she's so cool. I want to be that grandparent when I get older, hopefully much older. Um, tell me about her inclusion as a character in the book. Yeah, so um, she had a um, kind of a bigger role in um, the, not a necessarily a bigger role. Her role started as the dad is very much like worried about everything. And I really relate to that as a dad is you just worry. So um, he's very hesitant to let Wyatt, you know, uh, be a superhero. Um, and, you know, Wyatt wants to just go out and be Superman. But, uh, you know, he's, so he's very protective, whereas the grandma, um, I wanted her to be kind of the other side of that coin, where she would be um, not only more supportive, but just, uh, you know, let's, let's not worry so much. Let's have more fun with this. This is, you know, kind of a unique situation. And, um, you know, there's, there's another side, um, she's kind of a check um, on the dad. So um, it was, it was fun, you know, when I was writing as a strip, uh, there was a lot of humor. Uh, to explore there and and it, and it continues into the graphic novels um I, yeah I, I really enjoy writing grandma <laughs> yeah she, she's super cool i like her a lot well the the kids wyatt and a plus um <clears throat> they lose their mom so loss of a parent is pretty classic disney so why go in that direction um it was the uh so i i'd actually thrown this i'd queried this um just kind of on um the plot of the first book, not the overarching mystery of the missing mom. Um, that wasn't an element right away, but I had a really hard time um, kind of like superheroes is a saturated market. Um, and I was talking with an editor of mine on, um, on a different project. And I just asked him if he'd take a look and he did. And he's like, what is going to make this unique? What is going to make this stand out? Because you've got, you know, he was a fan of the writing. He was a fan of the humor, the characters, but he just didn't see enough um, for it to really stand out and hook anyone. So he really wanted a hook and learning about the querying process more. Um, you really have to pare it down. You know, that log line, you really have to grab someone's attention. Um, you know, in one, one sentence. Um, so I don't remember exactly how it came about, but I know that that was kind of the, the beginning of starting to find something. What would interest people? What kind of hook? What, um, you know, what, what are the stakes? Um, not just, you know, for one book, but this is a series. And so um, exploring that, it really started to take off. Um, and uh, that, that change and that advice that I was given uh, really helped kick that off. I, I have a brother myself and those formative years for us were rather combative, but when it came to being picked on by other kids or overbecoming, overcoming those big childhood obstacles, my brother always had my back. That sibling relationship really came across as this primary narrative element to me in the book, but you know, we kind of have our own filters that we bring to reading every, anything. So was it always the intent to give Wyatt a sibling? Um, it kind of yeah. to riff off of. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was she was a great um, you know counterpoint to him. Um, you know, he's a bit more bumbling um, and inexperienced, and to you know her being super smart, uh, 
you know, it just, it helped the humor of the book and it helped them, uh, you know, accomplish the, you know, the goals they have throughout the book. Um, so I think uh, that making it the both of them, the focus, and they're both very much the main characters of the book. Um, yeah, I think really helped. Um, it was just more interesting to write. Yeah. Well, my son has unfortunately encountered a, a fair bit of bullying and I really appreciate its inclusion in the book. Because I think it's something that a lot of middle-aged kids, unfortunately, have to deal with. Um, you addressed it in a really interesting way. I don't, I don't want to be throwing out spoilers, but could you tell me about why you wanted to include it in the book? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so I, I experienced it as well, um, especially during those years. It was really hard. I moved around a lot as I was when I was a kid, and around the fifth and sixth grade, um, you know, into uh, you know middle school that was where it was the most prevalent. Um, so yeah, I wanted to touch on it because, um, you know, it was just, it was just an important, um, thing to talk about at that age. And, um, you know, the, a lot of the things that, um, you know, why it goes through, um, you know, I didn't have superpowers to deal with the problems or anything. And, uh, but just that helplessness, um, with the situation. And, um, you know, I, I just think those kind of problems can really resonate. And I wanted to, um, you know, I really wanted to um, have a different spin on it because um, without, you know, giving away any spoilers, um, how that's resolved or not resolved um, was a good sticking point. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know how much I, I can, I don't know what to articulate without really getting into, you know, the, the, sure. the theme of, you know, why that's included. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was important to me. And, uh, you know, just because you can solve a problem, it doesn't mean you should. And yeah, I, or that there are different ways to solve a problem. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to talk about the actual substance of the, you know, sure. of, of the conclusion. But yeah, if we're if we're not going for any spoilers, uh, we can just kind of steer it. Okay. Bye. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. How did you, as a creator, in trying to reach that middle grade demographic who always seems to have electronics on hand? I mean, mine's like a Star Trek Borg or something. It seems like attached to their head or, you know, two inches from their eyes. You know, it's hard to cut through the den of, of their world that's dominated by this constantly flashy sensorial inputs. So how do you reach them with something material like a book? Um, to me, nothing has lit up my world like comic book art. Um, so I wanted to, like, I, I just really wanted to draw something pretty that I think they would, you know, kids would enjoy looking at. Um, and it's just a big part of uh, what I enjoy about doing this. Um, and I think that, uh, 
Um, Dervla brought a lot of um, pop and verve and energy to those drawings. And I think that they're, you know, I think they're more interesting than, uh, you know, a lot of what you'll see on a screen that's an, uh, not only animated, but, um, you know, those types of visuals can compete with, um, you know, uh, TV and movies. So well, let's talk about her a little bit. So creating comics is increasingly more of an international endeavor these days with creative teams working together all around the globe. So how did Dublin-based, you know, Dervla Kelly get involved coloring the project? Um, I, I was just familiar with her work, um, just uh, being a mutual professional. Um, so um, it had always struck me as kind of what I was looking for, that bright poppy um, uh, palette. And so um, I think I was just, um, you know, scrolling through uh, her website and I saw um, something really specific. It was a Spider-Man um, drawing she had colored and it was just, it looked exactly like what I wanted. So uh, like what I was going for. And so I reached out and she was interested in the project. She loved it. And um, did a couple trial pages and um, it kind of went from there, yeah. Okay. Well, you both wrote and illustrated the book. Are you a writer or an illustrator first? Is one easier or much more difficult or? Uh, they're so intertwined um, that um, especially doing something like this, um, I don't really, I think my career wise, uh, certainly this is the first thing, uh, this is the first published writing that I have. So, um, I haven't been like, I've always written and drawn. So to me, it's all part of the same process, but, um, certainly I think, uh, career-wise, uh, the illustrating side, um, was, uh, more prevalent than the writing side, but, uh, you know, to me, yeah, um, I couldn't put one in front of the other when um, this considering this book. Okay. So was it intended as a standalone story or do Wyatt and A plus have more adventures to tell after this? Oh, it's not, not a standalone story at all. It's um, I, I can already tell that the book two is on its way next year. Okay, cool. I'm working on it right now. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a series and um, yeah, it's, it's got that overarching mystery um, that, uh, they've got to work on so well let's say i'm a parent or a grandparent or maybe an aunt an older cousin even listening in today and thinking about buying sort of super for a middle schooler in their life what's your go-to elevator pitch short and sweet on why they should buy it aside from all the other amazing reasons we've already talked about a short elevator pitch um you know if it's uh, just it's a whimsical take on on superheroes that's full of heart uh humor and adventure um and if that sounds like something uh, that you'd want to have your grandkids or your kids read then uh, this book is perfect did you go to school to be either a writer or an illustrator specifically um i have a bfa in art and design um and i did take some writing classes after i graduated um but so yeah, um, not, not comics specifically, sure. um, but yeah, I have a classical education as far as art is concerned and um, a little bit of writing after, <laughs> but uh, I didn't pursue any secondary degree or um, uh, double major or anything. Um, is that middle grade demographic pocket something you want to stick with? Yeah, I love, I love uh, writing that age group. I've got other stories in my back pocket, you know, that uh, I want to explore. I mean, get to eventually, um, but uh, yeah, not not set, definitely not limited to it. But um, you know, 
uh, got a lot of ideas. So we'll see which ones stick and which ones, uh, you know, kind of make it out of, uh, make it out of the vault. Well, I noticed on your Twitter feed that you've done a few bookstore signings recently. So are you planning on trying to get to any conventions this year? Um, yeah, no plans yet. Um, I would love to go. Um, there's, um, other considerations, you know, with, uh, I don't know how out of a pandemic we are in and kind of what shows different level of, um, you know, just how they regard safety and stuff. So it is not something that, um, my big issue is I still have, uh, my, my youngest is four, so he's, he's not, there's no vaccine for uh, four-year-olds. So we're still being really careful. And, uh, so it's not a huge, um, consideration of mine right now, but I, I would love to get back to doing shows. Um, I miss, I miss doing them. Well, um, what's next for you after some obvious post-promotion rest, of course, it sounds like you've got, you're already working on the second volume. So. Yeah, that's it. Um, I'm, I'm in the thick of it. Um, there's uh, kind of juggling. Yeah. Uh, working on book two, um, and, but also really enjoying, um, you know, the reception of book one and, you know, getting the chance to talk to different people, um, you know, yourself included, uh, just everybody who's been kind enough to have me on their uh, podcasts or um, have articles. Um, and just uh, like you said, uh, going to, um, I just had a bookstore signing a couple of days ago and it was so wonderful to get to talk to young fans about, um, you know, uh, this book it's it's been over for me so long uh, just wrapping up this book because I finished it so long ago um, so it's been it's been really gratifying to uh, hear people's reactions and I've tried to enjoy it as, as much as I can without well while still staying on top of you know the responsibilities of uh, you know finishing the second book and uh, hopefully doing it again. So. Well, there, there are a lot of smaller independent publishers and and people who are signing on with Simon and Schuster, was that who you originally pitched it to? How, how did you end up with them? Oh, so I have um, my agents. Um, I signed with my agents, uh, Uva Stender and Brent Taylor, um, and they really handled the um, pitching it to editors. They know of, um, they have relationships with editors, um, you know, at all sorts of uh, imprints and publishers. So they compiled a list of who they sent it out to first. And they had a really good idea of, you know, what kind of a reception it would get um, just based on those relationships. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they uh, they were kind of the drivers of um, it landing at Simon & Schuster. Um, but I'm, I'm glad it did because I've had great relationships with, uh, you know, every editor and art director I've worked with. Uh, they've all been fantastic. And I, I mean, it was such a great process. It still is. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. See, I'd love to hear that kind of uh, feedback and reaction. You know, sometimes recently, unfortunately, we've seen with creators and, you know, certain publishers where things don't quite have such an amicable uh, arrangement or, you know, that feeling. So it's really nice to hear that, that things are going well for you. It makes it easier after all that investment of time and love and sweat, blood, tears, everything that goes into to creating a 200 page graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was really wonderful. Um, it's, um, yeah, my my kind of uh, yeah, I shared a little bit about the struggle of getting it off the ground as a comic strip. It just it never had that level of excitement. Um, so once it kind of found its way to being a graphic novel, um, 
yeah, just uh, it's such a it's such a cool feeling um, to have people get behind it and really understand and get what you're trying to do um, and believe in it, um, you know, and help you get it out, you know, to readers. Um, it's such a it's such an amazing feeling. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining me today on what we call the Triple C or the Cryptic Creator Corner. That's a mouthful podcast. <laughs> Uh, sort of Super is available now online through Simon & Schuster, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you order or download your books and in stores. It's a great option for middle school kids. It's super cute and accessible. And to me, it was wholesome in this really bright and refreshing way. I can't think of a reason kids or kids at heart shouldn't fall in love with it. Um, so I think it's great. Hopefully we've teased it enough that everyone will go pick it up. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, this is Byron O'Neill on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for hanging out with us today and see everyone next time. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.